Hello and welcome to another episode of the County Cricket Podcast in association with our friends at Bear Crickets. I'm your host, Aaron, aka the Cricket Connoisseur, and joining me on my left for tonight's very special episode of TCCP is none other than Leicestershire and former Cheshire seam sensation, Michael Finan. So Michael, first things first, mate, thank you very much for joining me here on the podcast tonight. It's an absolute pleasure to get you on for a chat about all things county crickets. I have to ask, mate, how's your day been so far? Fantastic, mate. How's your day? Yeah, very good. I must say it's been quite busy, but at the same time enjoyable. It's a little bit weird now that there's there's no county cricket on, but how are you adjusting to life without the leather and willow at the moment? I'm really missing it. I've been waiting a while for this opportunity, so... I've just been ticking it over, just been batting pretty much every day. It's all you can do though, isn't it? Just pass the days. It's it's a long winter. And to think that we're still, what, five months away from <laughs> the start of the season, five, six months. I know. Goodness me, it cannot come quick enough, can it? <laughs> Can't tell, mate. Can't tell. No. Very much looking forward to the 2023 season though. But before we jump the gun and we start talking about the future, Michael, of course, we have to start at the beginning of your critting journey, the origin tale of the Michael Finan story, if I may. So, Michael, what were your first ever memories of cricket, either playing or watching this spectacular game? Well, I remember watching the 2005 Ashes, which I know is very, very similar to probably what everyone else says. Um, watched that with my dad. And then um, I gave it a go with a friend at school. And from there, there was a local club called Duckingfield Cricket Club, literally around the corner from me. And, yeah, just, just went down and gave it a go. <laughs> Fair enough, it's a nice journey into the game and very much community orientated there with Duck and Field, who I believe, if my research is right, you played for from the ages of 9 to 18. Yep, absolutely. There we go, we do our research here at the Counter Cricket Podcast. <laughs> you, you mentioned the, the 2005 Ashes there and it is something which crops up time and time and time again here on the podcast. Such was the impact of that series and the, the remarkable nature of that ashes between England and Australia. Michael, I ask this to pretty much every single guest that we have on the podcast. But if you could go back in time and relive just one day from that immortal series, which day would you choose and why? I'd, I'd probably just choose to watch it all again, if I'm being honest with you. I can't, <laughs> can't do the one. I'd just like to start from start to finish. But start if you to had to, if you had to choose one... I know it's incredibly difficult, right? But let's say you've got a time machine. You can go back to one day from one of those test matches. If there was just one day you could choose, which one would it be? Oh, uh... I, I, I genuinely couldn't pick one. Genuinely. I'd have to, I literally would have to just, just watch it all again. I, I can't pick one moment from, from the rest. Too many. If, if that's the case, then, why, why was it such a... A memorable series for you then personally because it, it was incredible it had so many brilliant moments right from the very first test you had Glenn McGraw taking his 500 test wicket that of, of Marcus Druscothic then obviously Edge Baston happened <laughs> right which yeah. I think we're all well aware of the two-run victory in the second yeah. city and then you had the narrative playing out over Trent Bridge and Old Trafford and then England winning the series at the Oval Kevin Peterson bashing that century against the likes of Brett Lee was absolutely astonishing. Yeah, it was phenomenal. For it's you personally though, Michael, what was so special about that series? How did it capture the imagination of Michael Finan? The, the excitement factor by it, it just drawn you in from start from the start to finish. Like there was no there was no form of boring bit what people like, well, 
people who don't normally watch cricket would say, oh, the longer form, that's quite boring. It, that literally just sucked you in from, from start to finish. So for me, that was a, it was a big thing for me looking to start cricket and getting me involved. It's just like, this game's amazing. You've got lads bowling 90-odd mile an hour. It was incredible. Well, it was indeed. And you mentioned the great Glenn McGraw there, just the 563 test wickets for the man nicknamed Pidge. He was quite the the icon of that series, as was Shane Warne, as was Adam Gilchrist for the Aussies, and then England with the likes of Marcus Trascothic, Michael Vaughan, and of course, a certain Steve Harmison, who took that wicket of Michael Kasparowicz at Edgebaston. In terms of those names I've just mentioned, Michael, were any of those idols or influences, or did you have other role models in the game that you tried to emulate, per se? Um, Well, Mitchell Johnson. After the bumper barrage down under, that's um, I know it's going off topic a bit there, but he was one person that I tried to emulate my action around. Didn't work because I get nowhere near 94 mile an hour. But <laughs> um, during that se- series, I'd, I'd probably say Brett Lee, just the, the raw pace and just something looking like there was going to happen every single ball, whether it was Kevin Peterson, like you said, just whacking him around or the carry. It was just, yeah, he, he was incredible. He was a brilliant bowler to watch. And this is going to be another tough question, Michael, to be honest. But if, if you could have an hour-long net session, right, or an hour-long podcast, in fairness, just a discussion about all things cricket with Binger, Brettley, or Mitchell Johnson, who would you select and why? Well, I'm glad you said podcast then and not net session because I wouldn't fancy facing them. <laughs> um, I'd probably say Mitchell Johnson just because he's left arm like me. Um, why? Just his ability to take wickets. Just to, I don't, I don't really know. To be fair, just to learn from him. I don't think there'd be a better person to learn from other than Wazzy Macram, Trent Ball. I just think it'd be good to hear from his, his experiences, how to get faster, his training methods, all sorts. Yeah, he was an excellent bowler, wasn't he, Mitchell Johnson? Unfortunately for us in that 2013 Ashes. Yeah, yeah. too good for England. And the, the less we talk about that series, the better. In comparison to 2005, not as many excellent moments from that from an English perspective, but it happens. Mitchell Johnson absolutely tore us to shreds. And yeah, here we are years later still talking about it. Still burns in the memory of England fans, really especially especially those who stayed up for the series. Were you one of them, Michael, who I did. <laughs> endured yeah. that series? Oh, certainly did. Yeah, rough days, rough days, those. And in fairness, it didn't get much better in the last dashes either, did it? No, not really. Yeah, they've got um, got an unbelievable bowling attack at the moment, them Aussies, so it'll be they interesting have. to see next year. It will, and actually, before we get into the rest of our conversation about your cricket journey in particular, Michael, looking ahead to the 2023 Ashes, I know we've still got the Pakistan Test Tour before that as well, we've still got various bilateral series and, of course, the T20 World Cup to come before it, but are you confident for that series next year? Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Too many talented lads in England. And that test squad at the moment, very happy with. Yeah, it's a, it's a very, very uh, good time to be an England fan, isn't it? It's weird in comparison to 2021, where we couldn't buy a victory in fairness. And then all of a sudden, Basball comes along and all of a sudden there's a renewed sense of hope yeah. and optimism in, in test cricket. But yeah, that's going to be one hell of a series. Yeah, it really is. Real good view in that. Yeah, I can't wait for it. Neither can I. I just need to get my tickets for the Edgebaston test. That's something I need to tick off in the coming weeks. I need to get to 
the fortress for that game. Goodness me. I'm very much looking forward to it, as you can imagine, along yeah. with the rest of the season. 2023, bring it on. Bring it on. Going to be a fantastic year here in England and Wales. But aside from the Ashes then, Michael, let's talk a little bit about village cricket then. So you mentioned Duckingfield. You had yep. little stints here and there with uh, Prestwich and Delft as well. Yep. And now you're currently at Flowery Field. And this is going to be a very tough question. Out of those four clubs, oh, which no. one would you say? <laughs> you know what's coming. Would you yeah. say is your favourite? Oh, that's outrageous. Um, oh. Ducking feel for where, where I started and how much like my mum got involved at the club and how much she enjoyed it was, it was a big thing for me. And made made friends for life. I still still speak to him now, um, which is quite weird now because Flowery Field, which my current family, so my fiance, my my little and we're we're massively invested at Flowery. So it's a bit like it's a bit of a difficult one, that to be honest with you. <clears throat> um, I'm obviously extremely happy at, at Flowery Field. Like I'm I'm not moving anywhere. So Ooh, I'll probably say Flowery Field. That, that sense just of only just no fair enough it was a it, it was a tremendously difficult question i do apologize no no that, Michael, right. but it had to be done it had to be done we had to get an answer on behalf of those four clubs i know in particular flowery field have helped us out on twitter so shout out <laughs> to flowery field cc i hope that's the answer you're looking for lads i mean it certainly would be if i was associated with the club and in, in terms of village cricket as a whole i suppose michael what do you say is your favorite aspect of village cricket because you mentioned there the social aspect making friends for life is a massive part and parcel of village cricket but there's also that community element isn't there it's about forming those connections those relationships i suppose over the years yeah well i'll say i'm pretty sure don't don't quote me on this one if, if some of the, the flowery lads might be able to clear this up but I'm, out of our current first 11 i think eight of them have come through the junior section so it's a it's, it's a proper family orientated club which is which is brilliant like for like i said from my fiance my little one coming down it's just, the, the environment is so nice there's there's no, there's no clickiness or anything like that so it's once once you're there you, you feel settled straight away that's all how i can describe it well that's good to hear and that's something you want to hear as well isn't it the family orientated nature yeah, of absolutely. a village club it's massive it is massive it makes the experience that bit more more better and Talking of those experiences, Michael, before we talk about Cheshire and the national county setup, what do you say has been your most memorable experience in village cricket? Is there one particular moment, one particular highlight which stands out to you from over the years? Um, I'd say, this is quite ironic as well, um, played a T20 game against Duckingfield going back, I think it was 2019, and I took eight for seven against them. And then... We knocked it Yeah, and then we knocked sixty odd, sixty, sixty off in like five overs. I got forty four as well with a bat. Batting where was that opening or? Oh, oh yeah, opening the batting. Yeah. Crikey, I can see. Well, that's a memorable game then. Yeah, that that's probably my most memorable moment. I'd say eight for seven. Yeah, God, I, I could only dream of those figures. <laughs> that, that's ridiculous. My best of four for twenty. And that was in a 40-over game. So yeah, goodness that is me. That was good. Yeah, you should have seen the wickets, though. <laughs> <laughs> the figures, 
the figures don't tell the full story. Some of those wickets were absolutely burgled, to be brutally honest. But again, it's yeah. not how they come it as a bowler. Exactly. Exactly. That's something you learn very early on as a bowler, in particular when you think you bowled really well on days and then you get smacked for yep. four and six and all over the park. And you're thinking, God, why did I become a bowler? It's on days like that where you take four or in your case, eight, Michael, um, <laughs> the bowling suddenly seems all worth it, doesn't it? Yeah, I, do. I, I love bowling. Well, why is that then? Because that's another thing I'd like to ask. What was it about bowling, which in particular seam bowling, which drew you in? in the first place, why didn't you become a spinner or a keeper or a specialist bat? What was it about seam bowling as an art form which almost drew you in in the first place? I don't know. I just thought, it was, I, think, I think it was just more like of a natural feel to it. So when I was trying, we're trying out and obviously in net sessions, when he originally went down to Duckingfield, you only bat for say like five or 10 minutes, don't you? So you're bowling a lot more than you're batting. And I just think it just, I don't know, just kind of happened. I never really tried spin. Quite happy about. <laughs> <laughs> mm. it, it depends in fairness, because I used to be a seam bowler. So I started out as a seamer. And then in one schools game, I'll never, ever forget this. I bowled five back to back to back to back to back wides. And after that, my seam days were over. The next Jimmy Anderson, unfortunately, was, was dead and buried um, as far as I was concerned. And that's when I became a spinner. I struggle to land the ball bowling spin. Really? I bowl beautifully in the nets, and then when it gets to a game situation, it's just doesn't come out the end properly, or doesn't even want to come out the end. It's different, though, isn't it? In a game yeah. situation, in comparison to the nets. I mean, I've tried out a Karen ball before in the nets. Oh, wow. I would, you say, oh, wow, Michael, goodness <laughs> me, landed on the roof of the net. <laughs> I would not yeah, be getting got, that out in a game, but. Yeah, you've got to try these things to, actually, to, make, to make them happen, though, don't you? It doesn't just come to you. You've got to, you've got to practice them things, so credit to you. Exactly, you do. You do, and, and fingers crossed one day it will pay off when Rowington have got the next son on a Rhine in their ranks, but I think <laughs> that's a, a very, very long way, way off happening, to be brutally honest, but. In terms of those seam variations then, Michael, because yep. not to sound too cliche, but practice does make perfect or practice makes permanence. That's a version of that saying, which I actually prefer. Yeah. In terms of your variations, what are your go-to variations in the game of crickets? Are they outswingers, in-swingers, slower balls? What yeah. is in the Michael Fine and Arsenal, per se? Um, well, naturally, as a left-hander, I was so well, I got into the Lanx age groups at under-14s and they said bringing the ball back into the right-hander was the deadliest ball the left-hander could bowl. So from from that age upwards, predominantly my stock ball was was trying to bring the ball back into to the right-hander. So I say my stock delivery would be bringing the ball back in. Um, I've lot, learned to shape the ball away control-wise at the minute because prior to this um, opportunity that I've been given, um, I was only training once a week, which was obviously nowhere nowhere near as as much as I need to, to get that consistency factor. So I can take the ball away. Um, slower balls, off cutters, knuckleball, back of the hand, can bowl them. It's just it's just going to be down to consistency. So I've, I've got them. It's just improving them. Of course. And, and that journey never ends, does it? You're constantly no, no, improving. No, no. Exactly. The growth mentality, as it's known, isn't it? Constantly striving for for perfection. Yeah, and is it is interesting, isn't it, as a left arm in particular, 
because it just looks that much better when you tail one back into the right-hander and it castles them through the gates. It's a lovely-looking delivery, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Favourite favorite form of dismissal by a mile. It does look brilliant. I, I just think back to the 2015 World Cup, and you know that ball from Mitchell Stark to Brendan McCullum. Yeah. Perfection, isn't it? As Unreal. a cricket badger, you, you just hang that up on the wall. and you can, Or, or I go one, one better, actually, round the wicket. And I know it was like um, helped by the pitch, but um, Mitchell Stark to James Vince, that was unbelievable. Oh, I know What's exactly that? which ball. On repeat, all day. The movement on that is ridiculous, Scary. isn't it? Scary at 90 mile an hour. Yeah, would not fancy facing that at all. No, thanks. And to make James Vince, James Vince, an incredibly classy batter. And he made him look, he made him look amateurish, didn't he? Yeah, I remember bowling at James Vince in at Old Trafford when he was um, when I was netballing for England, and I've never been so demoralised as a bowler <laughs> in my entire life. It come out my hand, and I think, "Oh, that's a good ball," and all of a sudden, you see this massive crash off the bat, and I thought, "Yeah, there's levels to this game." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they most certainly are. And yeah. you mentioned that, actually. I mean, we can't just brush over that. Net bowling for England. How did that opportunity come about in the first place? So it was just um, the, the lads the, from the age group from Lancashire. And there was basically just like, if England need need bowlers and they just give us a shout. I, just, I, I got asked off, I think it was Gary Yates at the time. And I was like, over the moon by it. Got some tickets to watch the game as well, which was incredible. Um, yeah, so I w- went down at a bowl. It was brilliant. Watched Stuart Broad and James Anderson up close, which was still to this day one of the best cricket memories I have. It was uh, it was good stuff. I can imagine it was. What an experience that is to watch those two. Two great yeah, very games. Lucky. Very from, lucky. From so close. And again, actually, this is something which I haven't mentioned, and yet it is quite a, a large part of your cricketing journey. Is that age group cricket for Lancashire? Because you're in the same age group set up as the likes of Hasip Hamid, Matt Parkinson, and Sakeep Mood. What was that like playing alongside those guys in that setup? Well, well, they was a year below me, but strengthened our age group, if you know what I mean. So they came up a year. Right. It was, I I, I genuinely can't remember. You'd have to look it up. I'll I'll look it up after and let you know as well. If we ever lost a game, it it was quite scary. Genuinely, yeah. I can't actually can't picture like Hasib getting out of age group stuff either. It was it was ridiculous. And then opening the bowling with Saqib was ridiculous. I remember him coming in because he, he came on a little bit later, actually. I think it was under 17s, just before I think he played North England that year as well. And he just bowled like the wind. It was unbelievable. Almost unplayable at times. Yeah, it was it was incredible. I've always I always remembered him being super fast. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me <laughs> at all, to be honest. With yeah, it's, it's quality. He most certainly is. And in terms of Parky, what, what was he like, that age group level? Callum or Matt? Both, actually. We've had Callum Both. on the podcast and lovely fella. Got a lot yeah, of time for man. Callum. Top man. Absolutely adore him. What, what were they uh, like? Well, Callum actually started off as a left-arm seamer. Miles better than me as well at the time. He was unbelievable. I will I will say that for him. Um, and Matt as well. I th- I'm pretty sure he just picked up five for every every game. He was it was a joke. <laughs> Josh Bowannon as well. Danny Lamb. It was a serious serious side to be fair. 
It is, and it's quite incredible, isn't it, that we're talking all these years later. Pretty much that entire squad Scott County contract, and yeah, a couple of them have played for England. Yeah, Ma- Matthew Critchley as well. He was he was in there for a bit. What a player he is! Oh my god, serious player. He is. Well, to be fair, they all are. They're, they're all amazing what they do. Yeah, I mean, if we could we could talk all night about those guys. That is yeah. remarkable, isn't it? Yeah. Wow. Testament to Lancashire's academy setup. Very, very strong indeed. But uh, aside from Lanks, then, Michael, before we talk about this opportunity at Leicestershire and we yep. detail your journey in the 2022 season, just one final club and one final setup that I, I wanted to give quite the shout out to. And that is, of course, Cheshire, because we love the national counties here at TCCP. Really, really underrated, at times underappreciated part of the English cricketing structure, and yet they play a vital role, and we've seen this season with yourself, Ben Gibbon, for example, coming up through those ranks and going on to the next step in their cricketing career. Brad Curry's another one from Dorset. Just how important have Cheshire been in terms of furthering and advancing the cricketing journey of Michael Finan? If if it wasn't for Cheshire... I'll say it in two parts now, actually, because it was um, my boss at work at Total Cricket. If it wasn't for him getting me in just a bowl with Cheshire, I would never, I, I wouldn't be where I am now. Not a chance. So the, 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 the difference in standard between, obviously, the, the first team stuff at club level and then Cheshire was a massive jump for me. And then consistently being around them players and then playing the longer format as well like it was three day cricket then which was a big jump for me so I, I, if I just went in from club cricket to the four day stuff now I personally don't think I would have been able to handle it at all so having that environment around me kind of like um, not an in-between step but that, that form of boost of playing with them top quality players because each each um, minor county has a top quality pro as well like we had um, David Wainwright who was unbelievable so it's been a massive massive help for me massive help I personally didn't think I'd, I, I was anywhere near good enough for, for this sort of stuff to be honest with you so it's um it's been a big surprise but yeah I, I, I love the Cheshire stuff if I could go back and play next year I definitely would as well without a doubt well, that's lovely to hear. A glowing endorsement of Cheshire and the National County setup. That's exactly what we love to hear here at the County Cricket Podcast. And talking of the opportunity, we've got to speak about your time at Leicestershire County Cricket Club and how the opportunity actually presented itself in the first place. So, Michael, how did that trial, how did that that contract, because you got the two-year contract as well shortly afterwards. Yeah. How did this opportunity come about in the first place? Well, it was it was Harry Dearden. So we was coming back from a, a one-day game um, playing for Cheshire and Harry Dearden's um, Cheshire's white ball pro. Um, I, I, I bowled all right, to be fair. Bowled quite sharp. And he dropped my name to Dips at Leicestershire. And then Dips wanted me to come down on a Tuesday and Wednesday in August to come and train. And no idea how, but... Tom from um, Tom Smith from Yorkshire, the second team coach. I think him, him and Dips are very good friends, and obviously Dips wanted to see me more in a games um, scenario. So ended up playing um, a twos game for Yorkshire against Derbyshire, at Chesterfield. Um, went all right in that, and then I went 
Emirates and played a T20 against a touring Mumbai Indian side a couple of weeks after. And then from there, I, um, I went down to train with Leicester. Yeah. Wow, it's quite the unorthodox journey then. It was out, it, honestly that that month and a half was absolutely outrageous. <laughs> it was, was mind blowing. I bet it was, and if I'm not mistaken, did Yorkshire offer you a deal as well? Yeah, yeah, they did. So, what made you choose Leicestershire? What was more appealing about the the running foxes? I just think that I, I knew more. Well, I knew people at Leicester as well. Like obviously, growing up with Carl Parker was a was a big thing for me as well. Um, I'm not saying Yorkshire aren't, but they, they seem very family orientated. Um, but York, Yorkshire was exactly the same. It was a very, very, very difficult time. I was umming and ahhing for. A, a, I didn't actually sleep for literally a week. Never enough trying to make a decision. But I think from where I've come from as well, I just thought they was kind of put the the faith in me there first, try and give it a go, and then um, I just spoke to friends that I had at Leicester at the time thinking what what do you think and I don't, I don't know I think just the interest straight away from from them of the we, we want you I, I kind of led that way I sound awful saying that like I, I absolutely love Tom Swift at Yorkshire he was a top bloke he helped me out massively with my bowling I only spent four days with him he was he was brilliant and then Obviously, Alfonso at Leicester, which I'm mega excited to start working with him in November. That'd be awesome. Already helped me out to keep my um, foot behind the line a bit more regularly now, so that's that's always good news. Um, yeah, it was it was it was really really tough, but I, I, right now I, I know I made the best decision. Right now, so yeah, couldn't be happier. Good. I'm glad to hear that, Michael. And it's almost the repaying of the faith, isn't it, that Leicester showed in you in the first place yeah absolutely they took a big gamble with me big big gamble so hopefully I've, I've kind of made made them proud in a way and then they made the right decision and I'll I'll, I'll work my backside off this winter to, to keep on doing that well by working with Alfonso Thomas promises to be quite the winter doesn't it as well yeah, as a bowler he was serious bowler crikey yeah some <laughs> some memories of Alfonso Thomas tearing through Warwickshire over the years have just come <laughs> flooding into my head. I mean, what a bowler he was, flipping act. And yeah. a good coach as well. A very, very good coach from, yeah, from what I've heard. Yeah, absolutely. He simplifies a lot for me because if, if you spoke to him, I, I'm very busy in my brain. So I'll overthink a lot of things. So if I think about the front arm, then worried about the front line. And then I'm not actually thinking about running in. And everything just goes basically like scrambled eggs. And the way he broke something down to me, it was the the day before the Durham game. Uh, it, it was so simple of what we did as well. We just put some cones out, probably about, so my foot was half and half on the line, just in front of the line, sorry. Um, and just calming me down and basically saying, well, your run-up's very natural for you and it, you, your stride passing's good. It's how you're in, how quick you're actually running in from that start to finish and the build-up so being more relaxed at the start <clears throat> and then slowly progressing I just felt as soon as I did that a few times I got more confidence and I was like oh yeah he's, he's absolutely right and just just simplifying the game it was it was really good good and again it's it goes back onto that that thing we talked about earlier doesn't it in terms of of constant improvement I mean it's funny actually as well you mentioned about the overthinking element because we do touch upon the the psychological aspects of the game here at the Counter Cricket Podcast. 
how have you how have you managed to deal with that over the course of these past few months? Have you got any particular strategies, any particular coping mechanisms, I suppose, which help you deal with that? Yeah. If it's if it's not coming out right, it's like, like my debut, which is not ideal at all. I think about five overs for plenty. But just thinking how lucky I am to, to be in this situation. You just gotta take positives out of the negatives all the time, haven't you? So if something's not going right one day and Chris Wright actually said an amazing line to me when we was actually on the on the on the pitch and I was struggling with my away swing. I was like, that's not feeling right. He was like, Well one like you'll have certain days of bowling where that'll come out perfect and, and your actual stop ball won't. So you got to, whatever's working for you at that time, do that and just keep it very simple. And I think that that's the main thing about cricket is just how simple can you make it and then doing it for long periods. Absolutely. And what a person to learn from as well. A certain Chris Wright's yeah, very legend. Lucky. Very lucky. Legend. What a man. Yeah, funny as. <laughs> he is. He's certainly a character, but again, a, a magnificent bowler. Yeah, Honestly, yeah. he's always yeah. welcome at Edgebaston. Flipping Eck, we're, we're happy to give him <laughs> and Keith Barker a, a reception of kings after what they did for the Bear and Ragged staff. Both absolute titans here yeah. in the West Midlands. But you mentioned that debut, Michael. And again, this is something we always ask about because it's interesting to learn what different cricketers experience on their debut. First and foremost, when did you find out that you'd made the starting 11? Uh, it was... I know it was, I was kind of playing the day before, but wasn't set in stone, purely because of, like... I've, I've never been in that environment before, so and, and it was an important game as well. And I think it was like confirmed in the morning of the game. Oh, right, okay. That's that's not that's not too late then, in comparison no. to to some that we've had on the pod. No, no, not not too too late. But they they wanted to give me kind of enough notice to to make sure that I was like more than anything mentally preparing for it. Um, yeah, so. It, it, was, it still was a shock, though. It still came around pretty quickly. It, yeah. I can imagine it did. I mean, it's a massive leap, isn't it? To have gone from club cricket and national county cricket. Yeah, to all absolutely. of a sudden, you're playing in, in first 11 county cricket for Leicestershire, as you mentioned, in a competition which, up until that point, the Foxes had been doing very, very well in. And you're coming in to replace Boron Hendricks, who up until that point had been magnificent. Yep. for the Foxes in white ball cricket. In terms of that debut, Michael, when you're you're at your mark and you're ready to bowl your first delivery in first 11 county cricket, what was going through your head? Everything. Absolutely everything. So prior to that, I was struggling with a few no balls at the time. So I was thinking, right, foot behind the line. So I wasn't running in as hard. And I was thinking, right, let's make sure the ball goes at at least straight rather than thinking while well, the ball's new get it up there try and sh shape it away actually bowl the ball rather than float it up there there was there, there was all sorts it was more I didn't want to fully mess up but then af after that over I kind of calmed down and luckily took a catch as well down at fine leg and that that set on my nerves and then obviously when I started I think it was it was actually Sol as well who's just who's just joined us Started hitting me to all parts. <laughs> um, just thinking, right, man, well, from club cricket to county cricket, your margin for errors are a, are a lot smaller. So, 
it was a big eye opener for me. But at the same time, this is going to sound really weird. It, it was quite. It was still enjoyable because I know, I knew at that point that I've got so much to learn. So it was. It, it was kind of exciting for me. Well, it, it should have been as well. And when you think about it, you were living the dream at that moment yeah, as well. Absolutely. I mean, you think of all the club cricketers up and down the country. I can't say I've ever had the dream because if Warwickshire need my services, we're stuffed. We really are in an awful lot of trouble. Hopefully they never do. But for a lot of people, not just in England, Wales and the UK, but across the world, playing county cricket is the ultimate, isn't it? It's the dream. It's the fantasy of yeah. the recreational cricketer. And you, you got to live that out. And now you've got the opportunity for another two years as well. I bet you must be absolutely chuffed, Michael. But Completely open from, with it. As you should be. And you've deserved it as well, as we'll get on to. I mean, these performances were excellent towards the end of the season. And one of those performances in particular, I just have to talk about this because this gave me great pleasure and satisfaction when I was live tweeting this on our Twitter account. The game against Nottinghamshire at Trent Bridge, <laughs> your first class debut for Leicestershire County Cricket Club. Now, obviously, the result didn't go the way of the Foxes, a 241 run loss. But your batting caught the eye and the imagination of tailenders up and down the country. We had all <laughs> sorts of comments. We had, I think the 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 actual tweet got about 80-odd likes as well. People were properly enjoying this. But what can you tell us, first and foremost, about the debut itself? And secondly, what can you tell us about that batting display? Um, the debut, was, it was incredible. Absolutely incredible. Playing at Trent Bridge in front of... It was quite a lot of people there as well to be fair so it was it was amazing I, that that was my genuine dream like I, I adore red ball cricket so to play actual first class cricket was that was a big tick in my my goals in life so first things first there and then obviously bowling first in instinct goal too great obviously no ball situation which was quite frustrating on my end but then taking my first first class wicket even though I went for 90 I think it was 98, actually, in the first game. It was a massive relief as well. And then Cal Parkey coming up to me, giving me a big hug, was, was a big, big thing for me. It was, it was brilliant. Top man again. Um, I left a straight ball, thinking I was um, clever, understanding, trying to bat on leg. I didn't know where my off stump was. That weren't great. So then after that, I thought, if I get a chance to bat again, I'm not going to try and bat like... Alistair Cook here and pretend I'm an absolute jet. I'm just going to bat how I, how I bat at club level. So if I, I, I bat myself to pick length up quite quickly, so just hike it away, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, you most certainly did that, Michael, as we'll discuss in, uh, in due course. But before we do, you mentioned your bowling there and you did take three wickets in that game. We always ask this question, but do you remember who those three wickets actually were? Um... Dane Patterson, Haseeb Hamid, and Montgomery. Spot on. You got yeah. your old mate Haseeb out. I know he's he's had my number a few times. Though to be fair to him. <laughs> to be fair, he's had he's had the number of of plenty of bowlers over the years, hasn't he? Yeah, I remember at district level him hitting me into Old Trafford stands as well. That was that wasn't good fun. What what format was that? Um, 50 overs so it was at the time now it's called the Greater Manchester North East West and South and all, all that and then they had but at the time it's called it was called sorry um, Tameside so our district and then we played against Bolton so they had 
Park is playing for them, I think. I know Saqib was playing for them. Um, yeah, they, they hammered us. Absolutely hammered us every time. I think they won it pretty much every year as well. It's not really surprising though, is it, when you think of the, the no, names a bit, present? A bit unfair, but it was good fun at the same time. Oh yeah, of course. And again, it's, it's all part and parcel of the journey, isn't it? Taught you from an early age that you're going to get smacked as a bowler. So yeah. <laughs> better to learn that early on than later on in life, I suppose. But talking of, of incredible batting, let's just talk about that second innings at Trent Bridge because I have got the stats in front of me, but 58 from 46 balls, which included 11 fours, a six. <laughs> and bear in mind, listeners, Michael's batting at number 11, striking at 126 point zero eight how on earth did you pull that off and what was the mentality when you were out there in the middle i got dropped for spall which was um poor game management from me because originally when i was walking out deep square leg was right on the boundary and it was miles away from where we was actually batting as well so i thought there's no chance of me clearing them ropes at all and then utton starts steaming in and then he came in about 40 meters and i thought oh dear Pit the man right out and luckily he drops it so from that ball on i thought well i'm just going to just try and hit it as, as hard as i possibly can so if it's short swing as hard as i can really we most certainly did that 11 fours and a six <laughs> ridiculous i mean heading into next season surely there's a promotion heading no, your I'd, way I'd, the I'd, have to, I'd definitely have to sort my technique out which to be fair I don't think it'll be a million miles away, but it'd be a lot of hard work. But we've got some quality batters there at, at Leicester. So it'll be, it will be hard work, but I'm looking forward to getting stuck in. I can imagine you are. And James Taylor, the new batting coach as well. Exciting yeah, very point. excited. Very excited. As you should be. I mean, what a batter he was. And a nice bloke from what I've heard. Yeah. In terms uh, of, of people who've obviously worked with him and, and met him over the years. But... Who knows? You never know. It could be the Nighthawk of Leicestershire That'd heading be good. into the next few years. That would be good. Good fun. It's like the Stuart Broad role for the Foxes, goodness me. But um, in terms of that, that 58, this is going to be a tough question, Michael, because yep. afterwards you did take your maiden first-class five for as well. Between those two moments, what would you say was your highlight from your time at Leicestershire this season? Oh, the five by an absolute country mile. Uh, to be fair, I wasn't actually expecting to get a fifer, so I just thought that that over that I bowled just went ex- extremely well. But taking early wickets with a new ball, I think it was both openers as well, and then could have near well, nearly had another one. I think Swinney was very unlucky; how the ball kept climbing off. Um, is it Askenazi? And then that just really gives you confidence. To be honest with you, it just really settles nerves. It's that the hardest part for me that I found, especially in the. the the Knotts game in my debut, for example, is you're bowling with a new ball and you're not making that much of an impact. So you're not making them play as much. They look quite comfortable against you. And it's that that's the more demoralising part as a bowler. Whereas if you get a nice nice early one, you get your tail up, you're, you're 100%, like 100% more focused. It, I don't, it's, it's really hard to explain. You just feel a lot more in, involved or like something's going to happen at any point. So... Yeah, it was um, it was great. <laughs> Most certainly was. I mean, what an achievement that is, especially against Middlesex as well, who have been promoted. Up yeah, to yeah, Division one. Yeah, I absolutely. Mean, it was amazing. It was indeed, and I asked the exact same question 
as I mentioned beforehand with your first wicket, do you remember every single one of those wickets in the Fifer? Uh, oh dear. So Stoneman, Robson. Mm-hmm. Um, oh dear. Simpson. Yep. Bamba, Murta. Spot on. Five out of five. Fair play, Amina. You should really remember that, in fairness. Made a first-class five. It was, it was more change. pronounced than the names, right? That's what I was wondering about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, fair enough. But what an achievement. And as I said, Michael, a very, very memorable start to your time at Leicestershire County Cricket Club. And I suppose if I was to just ask this as an overall question, how would you put the 2022 season into your own words? How would you, looking back, reflect on your time at Grace Rose over the course of this summer? Unbelievably lucky, I'd say. Unbelievably lucky. Um, I, it's, it's been an, a crazy ride from, from August to where we are now, from opening the bowling at Flowery, absolutely loving it, loving my job as well. Kind of not expecting anything from cricket. I think from 2020... Yeah, 2021, I'd say. I kind of... Uh, not 2021, sorry. Since I was 21... I kind of give up on the idea that I wasn't good enough for, for county cricket, that the professional game, and this kind of settled more than I got involved with Cheshire, like you were, like you were saying. So from from that mindset up until August this year, and then everything just happening, it was incredible. Unbelievably lucky, I'd say. We say that, Michael, but in life we make our own luck. We do. You know, I know it does seem a little bit fortuitous and and lucky, but you deserve it, mate. You really do. As I said, those performances, incredibly, incredibly impressive. And this is going to be quite a profound question, really. But you said there at the age of 21 that the dream almost seemed unachievable. I know this is a difficult question, but has that thought ever crossed your mind of almost why am I playing cricket? Has that ever crossed your mind or, or not? Have yeah. you always... I know you said that you almost gave up on the dream, but has it almost happened at one point where you said maybe cricket isn't for me it definitely it definitely happened when i was at presswich purely because i, I got gilmore's grind then it was just um sportsman's hernia so it's, it's like where you like the muscles are just kind of like tore away and then so every, every saturday i get the shooting pain from the inside of my leg up to um like the bottom of my rib cage it was really bizarre and that went on for like nine months because once it got to monday morning it felt 100% again, I could I could move around, not a problem, couldn't feel any form of pain, and then I get to Saturday again, and I was like, oh, same thing. So, and, and that took ages to get that diagnosed as well, like what was actually wrong with it. So, at that point, I was thinking, after, after the season, there's, there's, there's no point whatsoever, I can't, can't be bothered, I'm, 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 well, not can't be bothered, it's just like, I physically can't put my body through it anymore at a young age, which was quite sad as well, but it was, it, it, it was really demoralising, so it, it took the fun out of it for me. It was, yeah, it was a difficult time, to be fair. Well, that's completely understandable, isn't it? I mean, and it's it is part and parcel of any sport, not just cricket. You do have to deal with injuries, yeah, from time yeah. to time, but especially at that age. And and when you, you know, when you're on the up, I suppose, in life in general, and then you have a setback like that must be incredibly demoralising, but how did you get back into the game then? How did you refine that enthusiasm and the the hope, I suppose? Well, I was um, I went to play at Delft the year after, but I, I ended up getting um, like a groin reconstruction. 
So I knew at that point, gym-wise, I, I was t like terrible with it. I, 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 well, I basically never went. So I thought, I've got to start looking after my body more, so stretching and whatnot. Touch wood, since then, I've had no issues there whatsoever. So I, looking after my body, I take great pride in that. Um, but getting the love back for it, that, that Delph side that I played in, and that's how I met Aaron Lilly, was... It was just so much fun, like the the banter in the dressing room, the the quality of cricket. Like we we had an incredible side. We had Luke Proctor playing there, like I said, Aaron Lilly, um, captain Andrew Gleave, he's a barrel of laughs, top batter as well. Uh, Shrivats Goswami plays out in the IPL. It was it was honestly it was ridiculous. Quality of cricket and and the amount of fun that we had in dressing rooms and that it was it was brilliant. Well, that's really heartwarming to hear, to be honest, Michael. And I'm glad you've refound the love of cricket because it's obviously paid off. And yeah, the two year contract, very, very well done, I must say. We're absolutely well, buzzing for you here at TCCP. It's good. It, it's, it's great to see. It really is an testament to all of those club sides, Cheshire, and of course yourself. You're putting the hard work and the hard yards. And now all of it's paid off. And you mentioned a certain Aaron Lilly. Part of the Aaron's Union, obviously with a different spelling, I suppose, in comparison to my double A, <laughs> R-O-N. But uh, yeah, a top, top cricketer, in particular in the Lancashire days. Goodness me, Aaron Lilly was an absolute beast yeah. for the Red Rose. But talking of those teammates that you share a dressing room with at Leicestershire, we did actually have a couple of questions from your teammates. And the first one comes from the man, the myth, the legend himself, a certain Chris Wrights, who I hope is keeping well over these winter months. Yeah, but in terms of Wrighty's question, he asks you, Michael, what's your chess.com ranking? Um, I'm pretty sure it's like 600 and odd. Out of how he many? cheats though when we play against him. He cheats. He gets other people involved, so it's 2v1. Well, <laughs> again, I know the context of this because we had a chat about it before the recording, but for the listeners out there, what is the context of that question? Where does chess.com come into the into the game day situation. So when we get um, get to get our feet up for a bit, we we have a game of chess just to keep, well, have, have a bit of fun and just keep our minds a bit sharp as well. Um, yeah, so I downloaded it, tried to give him a game, and him and him and Barnsley beat me. <laughs> Unlucky. Saying that, though, it's two on one. So, yeah, that's not yeah. particularly fair, especially not in chess. Two minds, obviously, better than one in, in anything in life. And no. In some beat of this him next game, game. though, so it's fine. Okay, fair enough. Was that on his own or, or with Barnsley? It Barnes? was, yeah. He, he disconnected. So I still count it as a win in my book. <laughs> he rage quit? No, 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 he didn't. He's just His connection went... Oh, yeah. I don't know if you can so, count that. Oh, you can. Of course you can. That's a hollow victory. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the oh. only only chance of me actually beating him, to be fair. So I've, got, I've kind of got to take it. Is he a keen chess player? He's good. He's good. Oh, don't say that. Don't inflate his ego. <laughs> he doesn't need any more ego inflation, Chris Wright. Goodness me. What a character, though. What a bloke. And yeah, top man. Top man. He is indeed top bowler as well. Should have played for England if it wasn't for injuries, but that's another yeah. story for another day. And in terms of this second and final question from your teammates, this comes from Cal Parkinson. And again, shout out to Callum Parkinson. Got a lot of love for Park. He's a brilliant, brilliant bloke and an excellent spinner. But uh, this is an interesting question, Michael. When's he going to learn to drive with an ellipsis, yeah. Parkinson taxis? Yeah, so sadly, currently not not driving, which isn't ideal. Um, 
yeah, I've, it's not. It's recently it's become more apparent that I obviously need to drive. But prior to this, um, a lot of other things have had to come first, sadly, and um, and sorting that out. But I, I will be doing it this winter. Yeah. So Parkinson taxis still will happen, but um, less frequent. I'm not sure whether or not Parky will be celebrating that or crying about that over the course of the. He'll see. He'll he'll say he'll be celebrating, but secretly he'll be crying. He's got the tears out. Yeah, I reckon, I reckon so. <laughs> Get the tissues at the ready. Goodness me, I tell you what, talking of, of Cal Parkinson's driving as well, I can't remember exactly what date this was. It was in 2021. I think he got caught speeding over the, the speed bumps at Grace Road. I did not know that. That's fantastic. Yeah, and hilariously, it was uh, it was during a, a Leicestershire promotional piece on, on Twitter of him signing his contract. Fantastic. <laughs> It was a really fantastic moment and definitely one. If you can find it on Twitter, it was from 2021. I can't remember the exact month, but that was just a, a piece of county cricket gold. It really was. Oh, goodness me. Great times. Fantastic times. But, Michael, before we, we end today's episode of TCCP then, just one final question from myself for tonight. Yep. What are your future aspirations in the game of cricket? You've got that two-year contract. Your heart's in Leicestershire for the time being. What would you like to achieve at the East Midlands County heading into 2023 and the years beyond? I just want to see how good I can physically get now. Now I've got, obviously, lucky with it being my job now and being able to train every single day. I want to see how how much I can physically push myself, how much I can improve. I'd love to take 500 first-class wickets. Like I, I, I don't really have... A goal as such, I just want to see how far I can go. Fair enough, Michael. And it goes without saying, but obviously myself, everybody here at TCCP is wishing yourself and Leicestershire nothing but the best of luck heading into 2023 and beyond. It's been a really heartwarming story to have seen you rise through the ranks in counter cricket in 2022 and fingers crossed that things go just as well in 2023 and of course the years that follow. But Michael Finan, that is it essentially for today's episode of the Counter Cricket Podcast. Before we do say our final goodbyes for the recording, do you have anything to plug or promote? Any social media channels, websites, anything like that? Um, I think it would be a bit bad if I didn't do um, my, my current work spot before before I fully leave there. So Total Cricket, yeah, www.totalcricket.co.uk. Top top guys that work there and very good centre, good store as well. Well, there we go, folks. Where, where are Total Cricket based? If you don't yeah, asking. Ashton Underline. Ashton Underline. Right, yeah. so folks, if you're in the area, get yourself down to Total Cricket. We'll leave the links to their social media channels and the website, of course, in the podcast description below. But that is it from us two here at the Counter Cricket Podcast for tonight's episode. To each and every single one of you wonderful listeners out there, thank you very much for tuning in. And as always, guys, we'll see you on the next one. <laughs>